Assalamu alaikum. I hope that everyone listening to this is well and happy. It has been so long since I uploaded an episode. And truthfully, it's just been, you know, I'm on winter break. Your girl fell a little bit short. But alhamdulillah, we're back on track. And so I recently uploaded an episode a while ago that was how to change yourself and become a better Muslim and transform your life. And you guys, alhamdulillah, really liked it. And I've been doing a lot of more Q&As and stuff like that on my Instagram. And a lot of you guys have asked to do a second part and listed a bunch of different topics you guys want to hear about. So this episode will be dedicated to a part two on how to transform your life and become a better Muslim. So I'm going to be talking about a bunch of different things in this episode. And you will notice all of these topics to come under one really big subtopic, which I will get into later. But some of the things that I will be talking about, if you're interested, is how to stop listening to music. Can guys and girls be friends? Third person, you know, free mixing, how to react to bad news, keeping up with your prayers, spiritual gratefulness, hypocrisy, keeping clean intentions, having supper with a broken heart, happiness without envy, and so many other things that you guys asked me to talk about. So this episode, inshallah, will get to the people that it needs to. The biggest thing that I can tell you when it comes to transforming and becoming a better Muslim is that it requires sacrifice. And right when people hear this, they're ready to dip. But the thing is, nothing good comes without sacrifice. When you're willing to sacrifice your daily habits, the things that you love, for Allah, I promise you, without a shadow of a doubt, you won't be disappointed. And I know that a lot of you guys have heard that frequently, that when you give something up for the sake of Allah, Allah gives you something back 10 times better. And I can confirm to you that it's 100% true. I have lived through the example, Alhamdulillah, I can promise you. Allah's not going to let your hard work go to waste. Allah sees the way that you are attached to something. Why would he make you lose that attachment? You know, you sacrifice it for him and he wouldn't give you anything in return. Our Lord is so generous. Trust me, he's going to give you something in return. So the one thing that I want to start off by saying is make the mindset that when I sacrifice something, I will be getting something 10 times better. And we can see this throughout all of the prophets, peace be upon him, all their stories. It occurred over and over again. So remember that when you give up one thing, I promise you Allah will give you so much more better in return. So one of the things that someone asked me to talk about was how can we incorporate Islam and realize the importance in our everyday life. The biggest thing that I really tell anyone when it comes to this is that the way that you are living, the things that you are doing, they're all controlled by Allah. The homework that you're doing, the school that you're going to, the way that you're living, the food that you're going to eat, every single part of your day is controlled by Allah. Now if you're not going to pray, how do you expect there to be barakah in the things that you do? Allah can literally make each and every single one of your tasks impossible, hard, and difficult. But if you turn around and you start to pray, you'll notice that your day will naturally ease out. I had this problem a lot growing up where I felt like I never had enough time for everything. And I still sometimes feel like that. But alhamdulillah, I've noticed that when you really start to pray, you get consistent, you understand why you're praying. God will bring barakah in your time. Time is very valuable. We all know that. Time is valuable. You lose time, you're not going to get it back. But Allah will bring barakah in your time in a manner that you will be able to accomplish a lot of the things that you want to. Without a shadow of a doubt, if you're trying to become successful in anything and you're not praying, you're automatically setting yourself up for failure. And I say this all the time. In the Azan, they tell us, come to success. We do not listen. We don't go to success. That comes down upon us. Then when we fail, we're sitting there like, oh my God, how this happened? It was, it was evident. You didn't pray. That's where you fell short. And I'm not saying this to be mean. Anything that I say in here is never meant to be mean. But I feel like it's very important that someone is brutally honest. You know what? We always sugarcoat it. 
But there's there's no reason. There's no reason. If you don't pray, don't expect barakah in the things that you do. Simple as that. When you take out five minutes for God, God will fix up your whole day in such an insane manner that it will just be perfect. I promise you. So realize that if you want to become successful in anything, it starts off with incorporating Islam in your everyday life. And you know what? There's some people who pray and they're trying to gain knowledge. But one thing that I always hear is that I just don't feel anything. And I'm going to be honest, I go through this a lot. One thing that I've noticed that really changes everything is sometimes what you need is not to sit here and climb mountains to fix your iman. You need to take two minutes to sit on the prayer mat a little bit longer and make dua. You need to take two minutes to make dhikr just for a little bit longer. Or maybe you just need to go outside, look outside your window, and just say alhamdulillah. Think about all that you have. Look at Allah's creation. Look at the sunset. Look at how Allah makes the sun rise and the sunset. Sometimes all you need is a little bit of reflection to fix your intention. That's it. That's all you need sometimes. Now, don't get me wrong. You can't just expect that to fix everything and, you know, assume yourself to be the most knowledgeable person overnight. That's not going to happen. You're going to need to put your put your head in some books. You're going to need to start learning. You're going to need to do all that. But you also got to put in your end of realizing that reflection is key. A lot of people are actually scared of reflection and pondering upon themselves because they know that they have a lot of things that they need to be working on and fixing on. What you need to work on is not a weakness in you. And acknowledging the fact that you need to work on it is a strength. So you might as well, one by one, write down the things that you feel like you want to work on and go through them. Your life was never meant to be lived alone. It never was. And the more you try to live life alone, the more narrow it will feel. It will feel like a valley. Allah has made this life for, uh, for him to help us through it without a shadow of a doubt. I read something very, very interesting in this Quran book recently. And it went about lines like this. I don't know if you guys know, but Surah Al-Fatiha is a conversation between us and God. You know, we ask him to guide us to the right path. And at the end of Surah Al-Fatiha, we say, around ayah 6 and 7, we say, guide us to the straight path, the path of those upon whom you have bestowed favor, not of those who have evoked your anger or of those who are astray. Interesting thing is, when you start reading Surah Al-Baqarah, it starts off, Around Ayah 2, it states, This is the book about which there is no doubt. It guidance for those who are cautious of God. And it just makes you think, like, you ask God for guidance and He sent down the whole Quran. So it's very, very important to remember that seeking knowledge, wanting knowledge, all of this starts off with good intention. And intention is a very, very difficult thing. I'll be talking about that later on in this episode because that is a topic I can go on for hours about. But I want to start off by hitting off some basic things that people always ask me about. One of them being, how do you stop listening to music? I answer this question if you're in my Discord, and the way that I thought about this was a little bit different than what you'll typically hear, but I'll explain. Inevitably, if you know two things about science, honestly, you know that music is very, very bad for you. There is countless amount of research that has showed how the sound waves and whatnot, it affects your brain in a very bad way. The frequency, the mood, whatever it may be, it plays with your feelings, okay? And I know so many people that are like, oh, I listen to happy songs, I listen to good, clean music, it makes me feel better. Baby, do the research. If you literally go on, go anywhere right now, go do a Google search if you don't believe me. Type in how music is bad for you. You don't even have to type in about religion. Don't even type in about religion. Forget religion for the second. Go do some research on why music is bad for you. Exclude religion from this and you will see that the evidence is mind-blowing. And the thing is, Allah has given us an intellect for a reason, okay? 
God gave you an intellect so you can use it. So when it comes to decisions where we don't want to listen to God, where God has specifically told us, don't listen to music, music is haram, don't do this, we don't listen, right? But that's where our intellect comes in because God gave you an intellect so you can apply it. And that is exactly why so many of us human beings are so stuck up on science because science, it appeals to our intellect. It really does. So when you see something scientifically proven scientifically supported it makes it a lot more easier to believe it and that's exactly one of the reasons why i believe in the quran as a whole besides the point go do some research you will see endless amount of articles videos researches the frequency the lyrics anything and everything about music is bad okay let's say that's not enough for you to stop one thing that i always imagine is that on the day of judgment you know, there's going to be scales. The scale of your good deeds, the bad deeds, it's going to get weighed out. Your book will be there. What did you do? Allah is going to ask you about this stuff. And one thing that really changed my brain was think about all the things that you struggle with that you can't change. For example, maybe you struggle with praying on time. Maybe you struggle with praying as a whole. Maybe you are very, very hot-headed. You get angry quickly. Maybe you're very impatient. These are attributes of you that no matter what you do, let's just say you can't get rid of them. So imagine your scale on the Day of Judgment, heavy with, you know, not praying, having envy, being mean, being angry, being hot-headed, right? These are all things that you tried to change, you couldn't change, and, you know, it was just a part of you that was very toxic, you couldn't get rid of it, right? Then you got your good scale, you got all these good things that you did, right? And the good deeds, they're like, okay, they're weighing out, God knows that you tried, God knows that you tried to change, and then out of nowhere, all of those deeds that you did for listening to music comes and collapses on the opposite end of the scale and now it's tanking it's tanking your good hasanat is tanking so think about it your bad deeds let alone the things that you can't control it's a jihad within ourselves we go through all the time yes i talked about this a lot but then when you add music on top of that it's like adding a whole extra burden for no reason when music is something we can control, as much as you may think you're addicted to music, as much as you may say music is your life and it's your peace, I understand, but this is something you can control. You have the choice to not press play on your playlist, okay? You do. So when you decided to press play and you decide to listen to music, you invoked those baddies upon yourself. And now you're scale is a lot heavier from one side and a lot less on the other and this sounds harsh this sounds mean but that's exactly what's going to happen you know what i saw this post and it really it really brought it to perspective how long is a song typically three minutes three minutes a song is three minutes four minutes and you're gonna risk going to hell for four minutes really really come on be for real with me right now you're not gonna you won't you won't you're not gonna do that i know you won't any person with a good intellect will know that those three minutes accumulate in your lifetime. Three minutes again, three minutes again, three minutes again. They accumulate. That adds up to bad deeds. Me and you both know that you don't want to go to hell for a very long time for three minutes of a good song. You don't. Don't act like you do. You don't. So that is one thing that I really told myself. I'm like, on the day of judgment, I am going to be literally hating myself for listening to music when that was the one thing that i could have controlled you know we're always going through jihad within ourselves but music oh my god like that is the one thing you can control so always remind yourself that i can control pressing play i can delete this playlist i can control it one thing that i did was you know people they always say delete your playlist yeah that ain't easy when you have a fat long playlist it's not easy well i, I deleted it delete your whole playlist Trust me, you won't regret it. After you delete it, you might get the urge to, you know, go on YouTube.com, listen to some music, whatever. Mm -mm, don't do it. Don't do it. Because here's the thing. Right after you do it, you're going to end up feeling guilty. 
You're going to end up feeling sad. You're going to end up feeling depressed. And you know, one really interesting thing is that music, even if it's happy ones, it plays with your emotions and it makes you actually really, really sad. Again, go look at the science behind it. I had times where, you know, if I'm in a store somewhere and they're playing music and even if it's a happy, upbeat song, something about it, when I leave the store, it just makes my heart feel really, really weird. And when you start to abstain and stay away from music, you will notice that happening too. Right after you listen to music, your brain will be somewhere else. You won't be able to pray. You won't be able to focus on a lot of other things. And you know what? I've seen a lot of justification behind music. I've seen a lot of people say, if the lyrics are clean, you know, if your intention is clean, if the rapper's a good person, or if it's like, you know, something good, you can listen to it. Here's my thing. And I like to follow this as much as I can. So if I've ever fell short, Miller, forgive me, but... If you have a doubt about something and you know that even the scholars are doubting about it, you're better off staying away from it. Because look, here's what I always tell myself. If I listen to music and I go on the day of judgment and it's haram, I've lost it all. I'm, I'm out of, no, it's out of pocket. If I go on the day of judgment and I didn't listen to music, not only will I be rewarded for staying away from it and from controlling myself, I won't be at risk. So this is what I'm telling you. You're not going to lose anything from not listening to music. I promise you, the first month, two, three months, so hard. They're so hard. But at one point or another, you just get used to it. And honestly, it feels like freedom. You don't have to worry about what that new artist is posting. You don't got to worry about nothing. Your peace starts to come from Islam. Your peace starts to come from sacrificing things for God. And I can promise you, if you listen to music right now, I challenge you to not listen to music for two months straight. And if your life doesn't change, bestie, change my name. Alhamdulillah, there's actually research that says that when you stop listening to music, you get smarter. Forget religion again. Go do the research. It's true. And when I read about this, I was like, mm, how reliable is this? But trust me, you your whole game changes. I cannot tell you guys. I've heard stories of people jumping from GPAs that were like two something to 4.0s just by stop listening to music and by incorporating Quran in their everyday life. Now, does a GPA determine how smart you are? No. But I know a lot of people that study very, 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 very hard and they're very, very smart and they listen to music while they're studying and then automatically when they take the test, they don't do good. But then when they replaced it with Quran, it changed the game. Now, you know, if you want to backfire and be like, oh, that's superstition, that's a coincidence, I can confirm to you that I've lived my life trying those things and it works. So if you're willing to stop, you you will stop. That's one of my biggest rules when it comes to anything, anything. If you want to stop, you will stop. If you don't want to stop, you're going to make an excuse every single time. You're going to have something to say every single time. Every single time you're going to say, oh, that's a coincidence. That's an accident. It's not like that. Oh, there's not enough research. This scholar says it's allowed. Okay, you don't want to stop. Just say it. Just say it. That's what I'm saying. If you want to stop, you will stop. So you will do the research. You will look into it. So that's all I want to say on that topic. Be careful. You can control it. This is in your control. So avoid listening to music. And I promise you, your life will change. You don't know where to start. Delete your playlist. Give yourself two months. And I promise you, inshallah, with God's help, you will see your life change. The next topic I get a lot of questions about is can guys and girls be friends and about having a third person and things like that. I recently uploaded a whole big episode about love and Islam, how you do things the halal way, haram way, the standards, everything. So if you're interested, go listen to that. When it comes to can guys and girls be friends, I'm going to tell you the exact same thing I said earlier. Go on YouTube and type in can guys and girls be friends. You will see that they conducted a social experiment in multiple different places where they asked can guys and girls be friends. All the girls said yes. All the men said no. 
You know why? Because all the men said that if they had a chance to do it with her, they would. Automatically, when I say this, everyone's like, oh my guy best friend's not like that. He's not like that. He doesn't even look at me like that. He has a girlfriend. He's not like that. You're going to argue with signs? You're going to argue with signs? Really? You're going to argue with signs? Forget religion again. Go do some research. Go read some books about this. Can guys and girls be friends? All science research says no. Now, you may have a few super rare cases where there might not be any emotions attached, but 99.9% .9 of the time, that's not the case. Moreover, Islam tells us that guys and girls, stay away from free mixing. Stay away from these things. It's only for the benefit of you. We're told to protect ourselves from zinna. But how does zinna start? It starts from guys and girls becoming friends, from them hugging, from them taking stuff forth, from them getting too personal, from them sharing too much emotion. This is how these things build up. You think that zinna just starts from one day someone comes in and they just do it. That's not how it works. It starts off from guys and girls becoming friends. That's how it always starts. That's how every single haram relationship starts. Don't act like you don't know. And anytime I say this, people automatically want to argue. Again, I'm going to apply the same law. If you want to change, you will change. If you want to learn, you will learn. Okay? So guys and girls, they can't be friends. You may have your own opinion. You may know someone that's very, very good that probably has no feelings, probably married, whatever your situation may be, it's Allah's commandment before ours. And I mentioned this in an episode before, our job is to do whatever we can to come to the point where we start to love what Allah loves. Okay? It's not easy. I know that some people, a lot of girls, I've, had, I've heard this from a lot of girls, they always say, boys are, um, no, 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 they always say, girls are filled with so much drama, so I hang out with boys. This is, you know what? Listen, I can, I can tell you, some boys are worse than girls. They will talk trash. They will do the worst, worser than girls ever could. Moreover, you never know anyone's intention. It doesn't matter how legit, how real, how whatever he is with you. His intentions are between him and Allah. Okay? And just like my intentions, my being is between me and Allah. That's how it is for all of us. So, if I was you, I'd be careful. Because Allah, again, like I mentioned, adultery, zinna, all these things, they don't start off from just it happening. It starts off when guys and girls start pre-mixing. Every single time. Prove me wrong. Every single time. Another common thing I heard about is about a third person. And what are we supposed to do if we want a third person online? Do we need a third person? The answer is yes. If you are trying to get to know someone for marriage, you don't know them. First of all, you need to let your parents know whatever the situation may be. Or you need to straight up get a third person involved. And by a third person, I mean most literally make a group chat with you and that person and a third person. That could be a friend, that could be a parent, that could be anyone. And I've talked about this with quite a few people in real life before. And the one thing they always say to me is, hey, girl, you're absolutely insane. That's psychotic. No one's going to do that. No, girl, trust me. The men that want to do that will do that. What question is there that you're going to ask that you can't ask in front of your parents? Well, okay, fair game. I understand that there's some questions that are, just, that are just a little bit awkward to ask. But what question are you going to ask that you can't ask in front of your friends? Come on. You got to pick a really good best friend that you know you're close to. Throw them in the group chat. Get to know each other. And right when I say this, People, again, they all hell breaks loose. I've had fights with people about this. They go crazy. This isn't what I'm saying. This is what Allah is telling us. You have got to have a third person. Like I said, guys and girls, can they be friends? No. Free mixing, adultery, all these things, they all start off on one route. Likewise, when you're getting to know someone for marriage, especially if you like that person, let's be honest, majority of the time when you're getting to know someone for marriage, you have feelings. You're infatuated. You like them. 
you're feeling butterfly, fluttery, whatever, a lot of times things will go under the rug. I can tell you one thing for a fact. Not only is it about emotion, it's also about having a third person view what's happening. I've, I've been in situations where I've seen men do humongous red flags. And I'm talking like red kites. Like they were running a marathon, okay? And the girl wasn't noticing. Like she was just so infatuated. She wasn't noticing. So I DM her privately and I'm like, girl, did you see what he said? And she goes, what's wrong with it? I'm like, what is not wrong with it? Like you need someone on the third person to really guard it. Because when you're really like in love and you're really like trying to get to know someone, you are infatuated at its finest. Moreover, it's for the safety of everyone. I know that some people, they get very, very pissed off that they cannot have unlimited amount of conversation, unlimited amount of getting time to know each other. You ask your question straight up, that's it. I have heard stories from some girls about men that used to literally come online for 10 minutes, ask the girl a bunch of questions, and not talk to her for the rest of the day. I also saw this story recently about this guy on TikTok who uploaded halal love stories of, you know, different prophets, scholars, whatever, they shared different love stories. And he posted them on TikTok so his fiance could see because he couldn't talk to her directly and they wanted to teach each other about this. They wanted to talk about it, but they couldn't because, you know, evidently if you're not married, you want to limit the talk. And so he used to upload TikToks for for her to see. And it was, it was so cute. I was like, mashallah. You see, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You might not be able to do all the unlimited conversation that you want, but one law that I like to apply is that it's better to have a dry convo before marriage than have a dry marriage. 100%. And I've heard someone say that as well. And it's very, very true. I had a friend recently who was who got married. And her now husband, he's now her husband, alhamdulillah, he was saying to her, he's like, I'd rather have a dry convo with you right now than have a dry marriage. And alhamdulillah, they're so happy. They talk all the time. They're doing great. And that's the thing. If you expose every single thing about yourself, all your hidden voids and scars and whatnot to someone before you're even married, when you get married, there's nothing there. Like, there isn't. There isn't. You know what? And then again, there's people that argue with this and they're like, oh, I don't tell him everything. I still have so much more to tell him. My point here is this. The most intimate, beautiful parts of you, keep them hidden. Not everyone needs to see them. The reason why we do stuff the halal way is that if things go flopping down, no one gets that hurt. Now again, there is a possibility that you will, you know, feel a little bit upset, feel a little bit disappointed. But you're not going to get hurt, hurt to the point that you're heartbroken and shattered with depression. Right? You're not going to. Because you never gave this person the vulnerable side of you and they never gave it back to you. While on the surface, you may have had a lot of similarities and a lot of things that were good and a lot of chemistry you never know what this person could be like when you see their real wounds when you see their real baggage so that automatically becomes a problem because some people they like to judge others about their personal baggage and i feel like your personal baggage should be, should be something that you don't share with anyone really until you get married that's my opinion so yes for those who asked you need a third person online if you're trying to get to know someone honestly online is even more dangerous than in person because you know what kids be doing. So definitely have a third person. That'll keep you safe. Now the next thing I'm going to be talking about is a little bit different. But you will see how it correlates back to what I've been originally talking about. And this is how to avoid, you know, being overly tainted by expectations of others. How do you react when you get bad news? How do you deal with hypocrisy? How do you deal with these things? And this was a very interesting topic. Honestly, inevitably, I feel like we should never be relying on anyone except Allah. Because everyone else has a condition or a way to let you down it's simple as that 
You know, it's very easy to be in love with someone, to have your best friends, and to expect stuff out of them, to expect them to care for you, to expect them to understand when you're sad. And I said this again, I'll say it again, this life is 100% your responsibility. Sadly, it is no one's job to come and fix out and check up why you're sad. And when you realize this, it's going to become very, very lonely. When I realized that not anyone has to really ask me if I'm okay, I got really pissed off. I was really young when it really like it registered in me and I was like, why? I ask everyone if they're okay. Why can't they ask me if I'm okay? You know what? That's the thing about life though. You give someone 100%, they won't even be able to give you 10. You give someone 100%, they might not even be able to give you 2.5. Growing up, I always regretted having a kind heart because when you have a kind heart, everyone runs you over. And you can see that in the prophet, peace be upon all them, all their lives was filled with this situation. And the thing about having a kind heart is that it's honestly a blessing. First of all, your kind heart is what will get you to Jannah. But if you take your kind heart and you break it and you fill it up with envy, jealousy, hypocrisy, injustice, all of these bad things, unfulfilled promises, unfulfilled expectations, you are taking the most beautiful and vulnerable part of your heart, the most beautiful part of your body, crushing it and most literally giving it to this dunya to let it run you around. Nothing more, nothing less. That's exactly what you're doing. You holding envy, you holding jealousy, you holding hypocrisy is going to hurt no one except you. It's going to burn you before it burns them. It's going to hurt you before it hurts them. Okay? So the one thing that I've really noticed that helps with when you are broken with unfulfilled expectations is unfulfilled, you know, promises. You heard bad news. You got brokenhearted. The one thing that I've noticed that changes everything is when you sit there on the prayer mat and you make dua for them. And this is probably the hardest thing you'll ever do. I'm telling you it's hard. You can't do it. You're sitting here listening to me saying like, okay, yeah, I could do that. You can't do it. You can't. It's so hard. It is so hard. And I've had, I've been in positions where I have to do it recently. You literally sit there and you got to ask God, like, hey God, you know, give this person a diet. Give this person the straight path. Give this person wellness. Make it easy. Keep them happy. Help them get married to someone great. Give them good finances. Can you do that? Can you really do that? You know it's hard. You know it's hard. And that's the thing. When you make dua for someone to get good, I promise you Allah will give you good back. Do not get caught up on people's unfulfilled expectations, on their inconsistencies. Other people's inconsistencies don't have anything to do with you. They're not a reflection of you. They're not a reflection of who you are. It's a reflection of them. Time and time again, you will get disappointed. You will get hurt. But your job is not to punish yourself for the way that people treat you. This is not what life is about. Life is not about punishing yourself every single time someone does you wrong. Life is not about sitting there and having to make a rational decision every single time you do something. Sometimes we do things out of emotion because it makes us happy. Sometimes we like to trust people out of emotion because, again, it makes us happy. It makes us feel full. Not every single decision that you make is always rational. And in this process, you'll get hurt a lot. Yeah. But people's failures have nothing to do with you. The longer you associate people's failures with yourself, the longer you will continue to fail yourself. Because now you've made their inconsistencies a part of your identity. How are you supposed to move on? You think that any single person that does you wrong is your fault. How is it your fault? How is it your fault that someone could not live up to the expectation, to the standard, to the things that you deserve? It's not your fault. Now, let's be honest, trust issues are at their all-time highest. We can literally not trust anyone. But not every single person that's good to you is out here to hurt you, okay? When someone keeps an expectation, they taint an image to you, they tell you they're going to do something, 
say okay and let them do it let them work out the action let's see let's see if they fulfill it let's see how long they take that's exactly what i do now i just stand back and i watch i don't say anything i don't think anything about it if you're making an expectation i'm gonna watch you and if you fail to fulfill it then that has nothing to do with me because you made it you failed you couldn't keep your end what where am i in this where am i in this it ain't my fault so when someone makes an expectation remember that you do not automatically need to defrost all your trust issues and, you know, be like, oh my god, I don't trust you. This this person did me wrong. This person hurt me. This is why I can't trust you. I've been in similar situations before. Y'all know how many times I've had someone make a promise to me and I've been in a situation like it before and I know good and well they won't keep their end. But I'm not going to tell you all my trust issues. They ain't for you to know. That ain't none of your business. I'm going to let you do it. And if you can fulfill it, then okay, we'll see. Then it moves on. You know, you people's speech is very easy. Talking is very easy. It is actions that are hard. Not a lot of people can stand behind what they say. So when you meet someone that truly knows how to stand behind their actions, be there for that person. Trust that person. Because finding people like that now is very, very difficult. Tainting an expectation is very easy. Fulfilling it is not easy. So remember that when you put your whole heart on the line, you're also risking yourself. People say things all the time, like I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and they never end up doing it. But now when your heart is on the line, now who are you hurting? You're hurting yourself. Don't trust so quick. That's one thing that I'll tell you. Now don't have all the trust issues in the world. But let your trust come with action. When someone proves that they are trustworthy, trust them. But if someone's sitting making false expectation or false expectation, is it really the most rational and smartest move to trust them? Honestly, it's not. In life, you're going to have to take a lot of blind jumps where you won't know where you're going to end up. Sometimes you can end up literally on cloud nine and then sometimes you can end up in a ditch, okay? You're going to have to take a lot of blind jumps. And sometimes you're going to have to trust a lot of people's expectations. And you don't know whether they're for real about it or not. The biggest thing that really, really helps through this process, honestly, I hate to say this, praying is the hara. Ask God for guidance. Ask God for guidance. Who knows these people better than any and better than the one that made them? God. God is not going to let you get hurt. If you keep an expectation that God is out here to throw you in a ditch and get you get you heartbroken and hurt, then that's what's going to happen. But if you keep an expectation that God is here to raise your levels, take you higher, help you feel full and happy, then inshallah that is exactly what will happen. So it's very very important. There's a beautiful hadith that talks about how your Lord is what you think of him. Do that. Put that in your brain. When you start to exercise that in your everyday life, you'll notice your whole life change. You expect good, God will give you good. You expect bad, then this, it is what it is. The thing is, a lot of us have committed a crime against ourselves by becoming hopeless in God's mercy, which is infinite. So when you do this process of committing a crime against yourself, who are you going to hurt? Yourself. God never runs out of mercy. God never runs out of hope. God is not Amazon. He doesn't run out. He always has it. He's infinite. He's not like us humans, right? So when you give up hope within yourself, within other people, the one place you need to always turn is to God. Because God is never short on hope. And He will, inshallah, put it in you. And He will guide you. And He will make you happy. It will come. But you need to be expecting it. Why will God give good things to the one that does not expect good from Him? Think about that question. Think about it. Think about it. Receiving bad news, when getting hurt, and when realizing someone is honestly a hypocrite, you need to remember that while you may have a burning 
amount of revenge that you want, and you may suppress that revenge for maturity, know that Allah is all-seeing and all-aware. I talked about in my last episode about some situations that I went through where I felt like there was a lot of injustice going on, and everyone around me felt it too, but not everyone around me took action to leave. And it became very, very difficult for me because I was asking God signs upon signs. Am I doing what's right? Am I doing what's wrong? Am I doing what's like, what help me? And every single time I did it, I got a sign that showed me the situation that I was staying in was bad. But it became so hard for me to leave because I just felt so used to it and I was so comfortable. But you can't let your comfort be your happiness. Comfort does not equate to happiness. Comfort is when you have either, depending on the situation, if you're happy with someone, you know, you're, you're who, you, you are who you say you are. You know what I'm saying? But then when you're unhappy and you know you're visibly unhappy, but you like to tell yourself that you are happy, you're comfortable. You're not happy. And when you are comfortable in a situation that you know is bad, you are comfortable with the idea of you staying here, but you're not comfortable with the idea of you projecting this in your future. So it becomes very, very uneasy for you. But in the moment, you are comfortable because this is what feels normal. So you like to gaslight yourself and tell yourself, when the future comes, it'll be okay. When the future comes, I'll be happy. When the future comes, it'll be fine. It'll work out. But you know good and well deep down in your heart that it's not going to work out. So you force yourself to be comfortable, but instead you're sacrificing your happiness. See that? That's an equation that does not work. So you need to focus on that. Don't let that become an equation that you oppress yourself in. A lot of times we oppress our own happiness. We take away our own happiness by forcing the belief that we're happy when we're not. And this is why I made a whole episode about this. You need to ask yourself what's wrong. You need to ask yourself The reason why a lot of us are not happy is because we're not asking ourselves, why are we not happy? You need to get out of your emotions and think rationally. List it out. Why am I not happy? One, two, three. Make a list. Let's go. And a lot of times you'll notice that some of you might not even have a reason to not be happy or you'll be worrying about something in the future that's not here yet or you'll be worrying about something from the past that you can't change. Now, what's stopping you from being happy in either of those situations? Nothing. You will meet a lot of people in your life that will tell you that you're starting an argument right when you mention your emotional discomfort. And you will also meet a lot of people in your life that right when you see their true colors, they'll instantly gaslight you, tell you that you're crazy, insufficient, incompetent, incomplete, and worthy of nothing. Because you saw their true colors and now you identified it. And now it becomes a red flag to themselves that they're realizing that people are catching on to the actions that they try to hide really hard. You see that? This has nothing to do with you. Where are you in this situation? Nowhere. So when it comes down to this, remember that Allah is the all-seeing, the all-hearing, and the all-fearing. He knows it all. He's seen it all. Okay? Don't let anyone gaslight you. Tell you that you're crazy. When your sixth sense tells you, your gut feeling tells you, when Allah's istahara is telling you that this is wrong, listen to it. Listen to it. Because Allah knows better than we know. Okay? Another problem that someone mentioned to me was that they struggle to be happy for others without feeling envy for them. So they automatically always have some jealousy. They always have some feeling of, oh, I wish I had that. Someone else's blessings does not take away from yours. Someone got married. I always see the comments on TikTok. Whenever someone gets married, everyone's like, oh my God, I wish that was me. Oh my God, throwing up in the bad soap right now. Like, y'all know those comments? I mean, there's nothing wrong with wishing it, you know, mashallah, whatever. But if you start to envy, why? Allah gave this person their blessing at their time. Who said that you don't have any? Why are you depriving yourself of your own blessings by getting jealous by what other people have? Who cares what other people have? 
who cares you never know the sacrifices that people have given up to come to the point that they are today and a lot of people they, they seem like they're living a very perfect life and some people that you may know might honestly really live a perfect life like they'll have minor problems and you'll be looking at them like why does god do this to them god gives this life to some people and they don't have the next god gives the next life to some people while they struggle in this one your job is to focus on what's to come your ahira when you focus on what's to come i promise you that everything else in this world will automatically start to fall into your hands if god wills that's how it works when you sell this life you automatically win the next and you win both it's reverse psychology bestie i mean is it no it ain't but look right when you give up every single thing that every single person in this world desires you give up your own desires you submit to god why wouldn't god give you the best of both so stop getting envy stop getting jealousy this has nothing to do with you your blessings are going to come at your own time your blessings are going to come when god knows that you're ready and i always see this happen especially when it comes to the topic of marriage when people are like oh my god this person find their true love when am i going to find mine i'm going to tell you one thing about this topic which is very very deep you do not know love until you have been loved and love allah back simple allah always loves us he's loved us since the beginning of time it is us that don't love him and when you start to love allah you start to love the unseen the things that you don't see you start to love the fact that you have declared the shahada that you love the prophet muhammad peace be upon him none of us have seen him right you start to love his sayings you start to love the sunnah you start to love god and the religion that he's decreed that is when you will realize what love is the way this beautiful little equation works out is that when you love someone before you love allah you give them the capacity of love of just this world when you love god and then you love someone you give them the capacity of love that will nourish in this world and in the akhirah and until you don't love god you will never be able to give someone a fulfilling good content amount of love because when you truly love someone you care about their akhirah you care about all of those things and that is what makes it even more special so that is all i'm going to say on that the next thing that i'm going to be talking about is intention and this is a very very difficult topic and it's something that i struggle with very very often the thing about intention is that it fluctuates it really does and i mentioned this earlier that when you're trying to become a student of knowledge and gain you know again knowledge from the books and the quran what not it becomes a little bit of a war within yourself because your intention starts to flip flop sometimes people will overcompliment you to the point that you will start doing it for the people it's very easy to use religion to promote yourself and sometimes alhamdulillah if allah grants his mercy upon you you won't let people's compliments change you you'll stay flat and right on the path of you know of of righteousness because you know that this is for god i'm going to be very honest on here real quick and i'm very honest when i tell when i talk about this is that i'm not perfect and i mention this in almost every episode and i mention this on my instagram every single thing that i say is a reminder for myself before it is for you guys every single thing that i say is something that i try my very best to apply in my own life before i tell you guys i'm not going to tell you guys to read a certain suda when i'm not trying to read it myself i'm going to tell you guys to cut someone off and to fight hypocrisy and injustice if i'm not going to try to do it myself so i'm never going to give you advice that i'm struggling to fulfill myself now i may guide you and tell you that this is good that you should do it but i'm never going to sit here and act holier than thou and tell y'all that i do it when i don't i don't 
There's certain things that I probably sh I could get better at. I'm not denying that. There's a lot of things I can get better at. But one thing that really helps me keep my intention steadfast is I tell myself, if I'm not going to do it for myself, I'm not going to do it for my own goodness, why should I tell someone else? You know, they say that you, you should want for your brother what you want for yourself. And I want good for my brother. So right automatically when I'm trying to advise a Muslim brother or sister and I'm like, hey, you should do this. And I'm not doing it. I'm like, hold on, hold on. I need to do this as well. So if I'm guiding them, I automatically mention it. I'm like, hey, you know, maybe you should do this. I don't do it, but I'm going to try to work on doing it. So I'm not going to act holier than thou. Always. I stand by that. And another thing I'm going to be brutally honest with you guys about. And before I get into this, I want to say in no way, shape or doubt am I trying to be ungrateful. In no way, shape or doubt am I trying to complain. And in no way, shape, or doubt, am I trying to belittle the blessing that God has given me. But when you're one person who goes to school and is also running a Discord, a Twitter, a podcast, a TikTok, an Instagram, verifying that every single person that joins your Discord is a girl, it gets tiring. It gets tiring. And it doesn't get tiring in the sense that I hate doing it. It gets tiring the fact that my eyes start hurting and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I need help. It happens so much. Funny little story time. Funny little story. When I first started my Discord, I allowed anyone in and I just, I tried my best to regulate, you know, make sure there was no free mixing or anything like that going on. But at one point, another got really exhausting for me. And I had certain people that I would be trying to set up to become like a manager, to work it through or to, you know, kind of help me and none of it worked out so at one point i gave up and i was like oh i can't do it and i made my discord girls only which is alhamdulillah the best decision i ever made it's so fun bunch of girls up in there we all talk about islam talk about all the private things that you cannot talk about i absolutely love it and every single person in there alhamdulillah i hope is help is getting better with their iman right so we're always there to answer questions and it's the best decision i made but with this decision comes a cost you have to make sure that every single person that joins is actually a girl and quite frankly, I say this all the time, but if you're a guy trying to join the Discord, you're going to leave on your own. I'm just saying. The conversations there will scare you, okay? You're going to leave on your own. But I always try to verify every single person that joins is a girl. And naturally, when trying to keep up with your prayers, trying to gain knowledge, this becomes a little bit tiring. And one thing I struggle with is I, I always tell myself this. Every single thing that I'm doing right now can go to garbage, waste, and not be accepted if my intention is wrong. Do y'all realize how scary that is for me? Anytime I talk to anyone, the one thing I always say to them is, I'm like, please make dua that Allah accept this for me. Anything that I do is never to show off. It's never to be like, look, I'm so great. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. No. Every single word that I say is a reminder for myself before it is for anyone else. My close friends can literally confirm. I struggle to sometimes follow my own advice. But I always like to step back and tell myself, I can't be telling you guys to do something that I'm not going to do. This podcast and everything that I really do now have taught me a lot of valuable lessons. And I'll get into that maybe someday. But the biggest one that I've learned is that you need to be very, very careful about the knowledge that you hear and verifying it and realizing that just because someone's religious doesn't mean that they're trustworthy. And just because someone may not appear as religious does not mean that they are not trustworthy and they are not trying. Y'all get me? Now, the short little videos you see on TikTok of people guiding you, people giving you advice, people showing you the pillars, people teaching you this, people teaching you that. They're good. Learn from them. Do that. 
But don't let that be your only source. Open up a book. Learn from the things that Allah has showed us. When you see a video of a Muslim influencer who's living their best life, who's on vacay, who is, you know, having big parties, going to big weddings, and you probably think to yourself, oh, they're probably not religious. You are making the biggest judgment that 99.9% of the time is false. I've spoken to an influencer before who was a mom. She has a child. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, millions of followers. And, you know, we were talking about a bunch of different things. And one thing she shared with me was very profound and it sticks in my brain all the time. She's like, my content has a lot of people judging that I'm not religious or that I'm not a good person or that, you know, they, they leave hate comments. They have no kindness towards her. And there's a lot of people that slander her. And she also gets, you know, nazar and these things like showing off everything that she has. Like it's, it's a very rough process, right? And one thing that she said to me was what a lot of people don't know is that because of the things that I'm doing, so many people have taken their shahada because they've seen that a Muslim person can live a normal life that is not extreme. And when I read that, it just sticked in my brain. I was like, subhanAllah. When you look at someone, you automatically make a judgment. They post Islamic content, you're like, wow, they're so religious. They post content about them on vacay, them this, that, that. And yeah, we judge from what's apparent, 100%. We do. And we're told to do that. We judge by what's apparent. But we should never be brutal or mean to someone and this influencer this lady she gets so much hate so much hate and there's a beautiful hadith that talks about how kindness is a mark of faith and he who does not have kindness does not have faith and i'm talking like she's getting slandered by her own muslim brothers and sisters we judge from what's apparent yes but we guide kindly we advise kindly and she shared with me how so many people have taken their shahada because of the content that she posts so many people have been learning and looking into Islam. And it made me realize that when you look at her, you may not think that. You may think that she doesn't even care about Islam. But behind the scenes, she's doing stuff that me and you can't do. Now, I've met some influencers that are so religious. But when I got to know them, I felt a lot of gray areas. I'm telling you that the biggest gift that you can give yourself is gaining knowledge from the books first. There's nothing wrong, again, with looking, if you have a certified scholar, you know, muftis, whatever, learning from them, go ahead, go for it. You know, there's a bunch of different scholars, a bunch of different imams that teach things, okay. But I'm talking about the normal person on social media. Be very, very careful about who you listen to, who you trust, and do not let someone's apparent look of faith make you become bitter towards them okay yes we judge from what's apparent 100 percent, but do not lose your kindness throughout this process okay kindness is a part of faith there's been a bunch of different lessons that i've learned and while talking to a lot of different people on dms who reach out to me i've learned another thing which is a lot of people who may struggle to pray frequently to you know, rely on Allah frequently, that may be at a loss of hope. When we see these people and we judge them and we think, they're horrible, they don't even try, they're they're kafirs, they're, they're this or that. I've heard stories about men 
that were literally in high positions in an Islamic community hurting younger females do committing situations and things that they they it's not allowed islamically legally anything it's not allowed and i think you guys know exactly what i'm talking about when i say that and you see automatically because someone is an imam a scholar we trust them we trust them they have this knowledge and you should we judge from what's apparent we should but you need to be careful and remember to not let all your information come from one source. Read different tafsis, read different things. Try to hear different, different videos. Elaborate your knowledge. Don't rely on one person because they seem to be very, very religious. And do not be brutal and harsh to someone that is struggling through their faith. I know so many people that reached out to me and they say, I'm scared to talk to my imam. I'm scared to talk to this, but I forgot how to pray. I don't know how to pray. Everyone's going to judge me. And if you are someone that judges someone who's actually trying, and again, I've said this like a hundred times because I know someone's going to come in my DMs and tell me, we're supposed to judge from what's apparent. You're misguiding people. I never said that. I n- I'm no, no, I'm not trying to misguide anyone. I've multiple, multiple times I've said we judge from what's apparent, but we judge with kindness. We judge with good faith and we judge with sympathy we judge with understanding what they're going through we don't automatically go in their comments and harass them yell at them tell them that they're a coffin and that they're going to go to hell we don't do that right because the truth is the person who's struggling to pray but they're trying their best they're setting up a lot of alarms they're trying to wake up their one prayer can be way more better than me and you our whole lifetime of prayers combined you know that it that's exactly why i'm tying this back it depends on intention. Allah does not want you to be perfect. Sometimes Allah sees his servant trying their hardest to just do good. And even if they're not able to execute that action, or even if they do execute it and it comes out poorly, Allah might love it more than he loves all of us. We don't know. Allah knows, right? So don't ever get arrogant and think that you're better than someone who's misguided. Or that you're better than someone who not might not be as knowledgeable as you. When it comes to gaining knowledge, it's never easy. I've had a lot of people laugh at me, tell me that I'm being excessive, dramatic, stupid, unnecessary, a mufti wannabe. I've heard it all. The point here is this. When you're gaining knowledge, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for Allah, right? It's a good thing you live for God. You don't live for them. And when you really imprint that in your mind, it'll make it a lot more easier. Some people will tell you that you're too young to gain knowledge. I hear that a lot. Some people will tell you, oh, you're you're 50 something now what's the point you're gonna hit the casket anyway you're gonna die anyway there's no point you lived your life being sinful people will always have a condition on when they see you do good when you're trying to gain knowledge when you're trying to become closer to the deen you'll have so many people laughing at you it doesn't matter what they say if your intention is to please god god will reward you knowledge has no age okay so do not be scared of the people that will laugh at you that will tell you that you won't be able to do it. You will. You will. Allah is with you. You will. The last thing I want to talk about is spiritual gratefulness. A lot of us may not have the things that we want. We may not have the house we want. We may not go to school we want. But each and every single one of us, if we walk on the path of Allah, Allah will bless us with some spiritual gratefulness. And I'll give you an example. I know some people that can memorize the page of a Quran in less than 10 minutes. Literally. They'll just ayah upon ayah. It will be in their head 
And then they'll know it. That's a spiritual gratefulness. You know how to memorize the Quran. You know how to memorize the Holy Word so quickly, so easily, with proper tajweed. They're bomb at it. They're so good. I know some people that are literally hadith masters, bro. You mention one thing and they'll chop up hadiths at you, bro. They will get at you. They know the narration, the chain, everything. I know some people that are very, very good on making, you know, decisions about what's right and wrong, how to identify what's haram and halal, whatever. I know a lot of people that are very spiritually good on avoiding what's haram, on avoiding what isn't good. And they know how to act with good kindness within themselves, right? So every single one of us, when we walk on this path, we have a spiritual gratefulness. Now, some of you may listen and say, well, what's mine? Maybe your spiritual gratefulness is how hard you're trying even when you feel like giving up. You have so much strength in you. Your strength grows when you want to give up. And perhaps this is what Allah is blessing you with. I talked to a girl recently who was only 14 years old who told me she feels stuck in life. She doesn't really know what she wants to do. She doesn't feel like she's moving with her iman. She doesn't have anyone around her. And I know exactly how that feels. I grew up always having this belief that I'm not good at math. I'm not good at English. I'm not good at anything. I hate science. What am I going to become? And I always was like, oh, I got to find myself. You don't find yourself. If you're trying to find yourself, the biggest place that everyone avoids looking is religion. You need to turn to the one that has made you because who knows you better than the one that has made you. If you're trying to find yourself and you haven't tried to find God, you're, you're falling short on this journey. You're not trying to find yourself. You're trying to find yourself through materialistic things. You're not actually trying to find yourself, your purpose, why your soul is here. You find that through religion. So when trying to figure out what your spiritual gratefulness is, realize that it might not always be what other people have. Maybe your spiritual gratefulness is the way that you handle yourself when someone is so rude to your face and you just want to punch them, but you stay silent. Spiritual gratefulness is not just something that scholars have. Every single one of us, if we try our best, have a hidden talent when it comes to religion. I never knew what mine was. I don't know what mine is, quite frankly. Some people say that they like the way that I talk, which is why I have a podcast. I try to, you know, I try to get the word out to people that might like it. So inshallah, Allah will, you know, at the end of the day, reward me. Because all I'm looking for is from a reward from Allah. I don't expect anything from people that listen to me. And you know, a big uh, misconception that I just want to put out the way, and this is really TMI. You know, some people, they think that when you do like work on social media, you get paid for it. Some people do. If you're an influencer, you do. But I want y'all to know that I don't make crap from this. <laughs> I don't make anything. So if you want to give me anything, I beg you, please make dua that God accepts this from me. Because just like you guys, I'm a normal person. I mess up. I commit lots of sins. And I've, I've done horrible things. And... I, I pray that whatever I do here will allow it to get to the souls that need it. And it will allow them to pass it on and share it with more people. Changing someone's life is not always hard. Sometimes all you need to say is a word or a smile or something that will change their mindset that they'll pass on. If you ever heard anything from me that changed your mind or helped you get through something, I highly encourage you to pass it on. I pray that every single thing that I do on here is sadaqah jariah for all of us. That on the day of judgment, Allah rewards all of us for what we've done. Because this isn't just about me. This is about you. You taking away something, you passing it on. You posting it. You sharing about it. You applying it. Right? So, inshallah, 
Allah helps you find your spiritual gratefulness, your spiritual gift, your spiritual happiness. And when it comes to becoming a better Muslim, realize that it will never come without sacrifice. Your intentions will go haywire. Your mind may go haywire. You'll never know what you're doing things for. It happens. But sometimes you're not low on iman. All you need is to sit down and ask yourself, why am I doing everything that I'm doing? This goes for listening to music, free mixing, being tainted by other people's expectations. Why am I doing this? Everything starts off with a sacrifice. And one thing that I'm going to tell you that will change, inshallah, change your life. You need to put yourself in a habit of sacrificing something every now and then that you severely love for the sake of Allah. And I'm talking about sacrificing the things that you know aren't good. Let's say you have a very, very strong connection with a guy friend. You need to put yourself in a position to sacrifice that friendship. Kindly end it off. Tell them, this is for the sake of Allah. This is for the sake of our ahira. Let it go. That sacrifice, when you let go of something you love, why wouldn't Allah reward you with something better? Let's say you have a severe addiction to drinking alcohol, but you love praying. You gain knowledge. You're doing all of that. Sacrifice the alcohol. Sacrifice it. Love grows through sacrifice. Love grows through hard conditions. When you want to go back, when you want to do these things, but you don't because you love God more than you love them. Practice sacrifice. It will make your iman, your heart, and everything a lot more easier. If you've heard anything in this episode that was good, realize that our all comes from Allah. None of this is from me. If I made a mistake, I said anything wrong, may Allah sincerely forgive me. It was not my intention. If I've shown off, acted arrogant, or did anything wrong, again, may Allah forgive me. That's not my intention. May Allah keep all of you happy. May Allah keep all of you safe. And may Allah keep all of you with the highest of iman. Assalamu alaikum.